If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. <laughs> Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Story time. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. (laughs) Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8,000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. 
Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. I think I had an encounter with Sasquatch, or at least I heard him. So, six days on horseback as I and my friend rode into a vast mountain meadow near its lower end. We noticed a fowl, wet smell and a spot where something large had rolled in the grass and flowers. All the horse's ears flicked back and they looked to the right, as did I just then, from 30 yards to the right, a very loud, deep, roaring scream erupted, akin to that of a gorilla, startling my horse and causing it to bolt up the meadow. I regained control 80 yards away by spinning my horse around a dozen times and stopped, facing downhill, to see all the remaining horses in a panic on the trail below. As if on cue, it vocalized again, frightening my horse with a long howl that transitioned from a low to a high pitch. On this second run, I managed to observe the area of 15 to 20 feet trees below everyone else, the origin of the sounds, and could hear bipedal footfalls and see that something was significantly disturbing these trees. I controlled my horse after another 80 yards with another dozen spins. The last sound occurred at this time, resembling a whop whop call. I rode down the meadow and rejoined the group. They could not identify the sounds and were all quite scared, so we rode on for three hours to get as far away as possible, making camp after dark, which is not a normal practice on this trail. While out pheasant hunting with my friend, we saw something that has stayed with me ever since. We regularly hunted this area in hopes of catching the occasional pheasant or a duck flying over the river. We had walked out and around the corner of the field, following next to the river. We never got too close to the farmer's house or animals because we knew he wouldn't appreciate that. Both of us grew up in a rural area and were familiar with all types of livestock, as well as wild animals. We turned back to hunt the remainder of the field on the way back to my jeep, hunting along the fence row. Within a few steps of the northeast corner of the field, we stopped because we noticed something unusual at the very far end of the field. Our first thought was that it was a person walking towards us, but we rationalized that it was way too large to be a person. We had never seen an animal or person in this field before. When we stopped, it stopped, when we started to move again, it did too. This creature was way over a quarter mile away from us. When we stopped again, it stopped. We remarked that it must be a horse because of how much ground it was covering and its size. When we started, it started. Imagine the field as a right triangle. We were heading in a straight line from point B towards the corner of the field, point C, while the Bigfoot started at point A. It had to cover a diagonal path to get to point C about halfway to point C, we stopped again, and it stopped. At that point, we could tell there was no back end to the horse, we could see that this creature had only two legs, was walking upright, and was covering a lot of ground. We started again, and it did too, now it had our complete, undivided attention. We were questioning why this person was covering so much ground without running why it was so dark colored, why it didn't yell at us, like get off my property or whatever, and what kind of clothes it was wearing, etc. 
We then stopped about 100 feet from the corner where there was an open gate. It stopped too. We again ran through our options of what this thing could be, and by this time, we were getting a little anxious, scared, remember we both had loaded shotguns in our hands, were both over 21, and physically fit guys. We were distressed over how much ground the creature had been covering. I remember saying early on, if it's the farmer, we'll beat him to my jeep no problem. Well, now it was a real problem. We kept asking each other, what do you think it is? We got to the gate and stood in the middle of the open space, shotguns ready but not raised, with the safeties off. We were now only 100 feet from this thing. The hair on the back of my neck was standing up, and I was scared. We could see it was no farmer. We each asked one more time what we thought it was, neither one of us wanting to say it was Bigfoot. Finally, I said I think I know what it is, and Bill said the same thing. Then I said I think it's Bigfoot, and he agreed. We stood there frozen, observing the Bigfoot. When I asked what we were going to do, Bill turned tail and sprinted for the river, and the Bigfoot moved towards me at that moment, so I followed Bill. We had to go down a bank and ran down to a small gravel island. By the time I got there, Bill had shouldered his gun and was waiting for the creature to come down the bank. It didn't show. We waited on the island for a few moments and decided to make our way to the jeep so we could get out of there. The farmland next to the Malala River was divided into three sections by a woven wire cattle fence. The field area was surrounded by the fence. To the east and north of the field was the river, with pasture land that had many blackberry patches, some small thickets of brush, a few small trees, large Douglas fir trees on the east side, and big leaf maple trees along the river and on the north side, one large oak tree where an owl hung out. At the south end of the field was the house and other farm buildings. On the west side of the field was a strip of pasture stretching over to the private logging road, which had dense blackberries running alongside it the entire length of this pasture land. The road is raised maybe 10 to 12 feet above the field. My dad's experiences with skinwalkers. I have hundreds of stories from my father about paranormal encounters he's had, he has two of them concerning what I believe to be skinwalkers. Both of these take place in the southeast during the late 80s or 90s. Excuse my writing because I'm not a writer. To begin with, my dad is Native American and spent a lot of his childhood and early adulthood. The first one. My dad was walking around in the woods of a reservation with his friends. His friends were back at the car, he was walking about 50 feet away from them. He saw another native man behind a bush but he could immediately feel something was wrong with him. The guy had on no clothing as far as he could see, no jewelry or makeup or anything distinguishing. His hair was pulled back into a ponytail. They held eye contact for a long time, what felt like hours, was in reality probably less than a minute and a half. He was temporarily frozen with fear. He called for his friends but none came, he turned to face them. Then he looked back and the man was gone. Within seconds, noiselessly, no sign there was anyone there at all. The second was is definitely a lot closer to what most people think of when they hear about skinwalkers. 
My dad was out in an secluded forest when he heard a piercing scream very close by. He described it as a mix of a native throat cry, the III sound sort of sound mixed with that of a feral cat or hurt bird. They brushed it off this first time. Then, they heard it a second time. It was just as close as it had been then despite them moving. They decided to get out of there. It was defeating and about 10 seconds long. It happened about three times as they were leaving, never once sounding any farther or closer away. This occurred in the summer of 2010. My stepdad has an old hunting cabin out in Ziegel, Pennsylvania. Like a 10-minute drive, outside Cook's Forest. It's a small place with a common area or kitchen, and a single bedroom with two bunk beds and a queen-size bed. My mom, stepdad, and I stayed at the cabin for a weekend to get rid of all the trash other family members left there, and also do any repairs. There are other cabins nearby, but this weekend, there was nobody else at cabins within a half mile. There is also no streetlights, or even cell service. This is quite literally off the beaten path. Middle of the forest. We came up Friday, worked all day Saturday, and left Sunday. Saturday evening after dinner and a bonfire, everything is pitch black outside, no bugs chirping, dead quiet, which is relatively normal. At least most of the times, it's pretty quiet at nights. We decide to head in for the night. Stepdad and I are inside reading, while my mom steps out to have a smoke and check to see if the fire has burned down safely. As I am mid-page down in my book, I hear my mom yelp pretty loudly. Now I'm used to her making this yelp. She's done it when she sees a snake, or gets a bug in her hair, so I didn't think much of it. She comes in limping, saying, someone threw a rock at me. Immediately my stepdad grabs his gun and runs outside, hoping to catch who did it. I was in shock, not sure of what to think. I'm sitting with my mom while he made laps around the cabin. He fired a few shots at the backstop we have set up on the back of the property, to scare off whoever is around. Both never said they saw anyone run off, or even make noise. Now when we go up, we always make jokes about Bigfoot. And to be clear, there were no cabins on the road near us that had people staying at them. So I don't know who would be lurking in the woods in pitch blackness, fooling with people. I saw a man made of light on a night when my entire family thought someone had broken into the house. When I was a teenager, I went on a vacation with my extended family. This was around 2008, back in Punjab, Pakistan, where I'm originally from. We're a very tight-knit group, so I had my father, mother, sibling, uncles, aunts, cousins and some of their families, etc. It was a big group of people and we were staying at my late grandfather's giant wooden house in our remote village. The place is surrounded by trees and rivers, and everything else, markets, shops, other people, are pretty far away. Anyway, all of us somehow managed to fit in this house. So around 20 plus people sleeping in 7 to 8 rooms. I was sleeping with my father in a long horizontal room at the front of the house. The room had two beds, one on each side, and a central walkway that penetrated the room vertically in the middle. 
This walkway was basically the entrance to the main part of the house. So the actual sighting was pretty short. We were all sleeping, but I suddenly woke up, maybe a few hours after midnight. I'm usually a heavy sleeper, so there must have been noise from within the house, but I don't remember hearing anything. I was still half asleep, but I could sense there was some type of unrest in the house. I looked to my right towards the walkway and saw a man. I don't know if it was a man or not, but this man-shaped thing was standing there, maybe slightly moving. He looked to be around average height and build, but he was entirely made of light. Like I still remember that he was just light, but man-shaped and moving. The next part is a bit embarrassing for me, but I actually just went back to sleep immediately afterwards. I did not get up to check, I did not feel like I had to, I just saw him and fell asleep. Next morning, I start my day without even thinking about what happened yesterday. I just assumed that I had a dream about this man made of light. Imagine my shock when I learned that literally everyone in the house were convinced that someone had broken in yesterday night. I asked for details and I learned that every adult in the house woke up for some reason, maybe noise, maybe something else, this part is still unclear to us, and they convened and came to a conclusion that someone had broken in. Obviously they were scared because burglaries are common in that area. However, it was a big group and they apparently decided to search the entire house. And by search, I mean really search every nook and corner, under the beds, old cupboards, storage, upstairs, downstairs, everything. They apparently did this for an hour or more, and my father said that they did not leave one single place unturned. My father grew up in this house, so he knows it very well, along with my uncles. The result of the search expedition, they did not find anything. They were thoroughly convinced that there was something in the house, but nobody could find anything. Of course, I immediately told them my story and they all believed it. Everything was too weird to be a big coincidence. Anyway, we all sort of moved on and went on with our lives after the vacation ended. The most surprising thing to me, even to this day, is that I was not scared of what I saw. I distinctly remember how I felt when I saw this light man, and fear was not what I was feeling. In fact, I wasn't feeling anything. I felt like he was where he needed to be. So this happened just a few years ago. We were on a family vacation in Cancun. Husband, teen son, and I. We were staying at a resort. I was the first to wake up and went to the restroom. There are huge windows covering up one wall so we have the blackout curtains pulled over so it's still kind of dark in the room. As I come back to bed I can see a little bit of morning light coming through the bottom of the room door. So I lay back on the bed facing my husband. All of a sudden he's shaking, he's facing away from me and towards the restroom. I put my hand on his arm and lightly move him and say are you okay? He turns over to me and says I just had a night terror and I saw him. He explained that as I was shaking him the black figure he saw got off of him and walked away and he could see it was wearing gold and had a huge thing on its head like a crown or feathers of some kind. We both lay there staring around the room. I noticed that the hallway to the restroom was extra dark. I pointed in my husband and I both saw a shadow and it moves up onto the wall and there was a door to a room conjoined to ours. 
The shadow moves towards the door all the while we're just staring. All of a sudden the shadow disappears and then a second later you hear a blood-curdling scream. I'm guessing there was a little girl in the room next door because that's what we hear and we both look at each other with big eyes. We're both freaked out and get up and open the curtains to let the light in and just talk about what we just experienced. It was scary and thank God that was our last night there. We were in the Boy Scouts on a weekend trip to Kitson Hot Springs, owned by the BSA. We had already set up camp about three quarter of a mile upstream from the lodge, so about six of us went back to explore the old lodge. After checking out the lodge, we headed back toward camp. At the southward bend in the trail or river, we looked across the river to the clear cut, and just inside the tree line, there appeared to be a bear on two legs, maybe 200 yards away. Then it strolled out of the trees down toward the river, we just stood there, and about 100 yards away, we started down the trail for camp. It stayed even with us across the river, about 75 to 100 yards, and mirrored our walking. When we got to camp, right on the river, we showed the scoutmaster, and he said, them, like the bears and cats, you leave them alone, and they'll leave you alone. While he was saying this, the creature headed east back into the tall timber. So about a year ago I was camping north of Winston, New Mexico. I was like three other people, my dad, my grandpa, and a family friend. At like 10 pm I was getting ready for bed and decided to tinkle beforehand. There was a designated toilet area about 50 feet away from my tent. I had a headlamp on and as I was doing my business I spotted a figure ahead of me peeking out from behind a bush. Go thing I had my pants off because I was terrified. The figure was humanoid, skinny, and pale. Its eyes were glowing and it seemed to be observing me. I wiped and ran away. Please tell me your thoughts in the comments. My grandpa told me to watch the crows, that they're guardians of the forest. He said they'll tell you if a predator is out there. My grandpa was fascinated with them and therefore I was too. Grandpa passed away in the early autumn of 2002 and I took it pretty hard. I didn't go to the funeral because I just knew I would be a mess and I didn't want anybody to see me like that. He used to take me fishing when I was a kid to Lake Delavan in southeast Wisconsin. There was a campground just across from the lake. After my grandpa passed, instead of dealing with it along with my family, I decided to rent myself a campsite and I took off. It was strange being there without him and I hadn't been on the lake since I was a kid. It seemed like I was the only person there but that wasn't too surprising given the time of year. It was starting to get cold so while the lake did have a few other visitors during the day I had the campground all to myself at night. When I arrived I noticed a group of crows hanging around in the trees above me. Crows don't typically like people in the woods. I survived the first night but I didn't get much sleep. I was feeling pretty alone so I ended up keeping a fire going through the night. The fishing was good, so good in fact that I kept a couple of fish to feed the crows. I wasn't sure if they would take them since they seemed to distrust me but I thought that maybe they would make a little less noise. They did feed on the fish that I left for them. 
This went on for a few days. I fished all day and I came back to camp to make something to eat and feed the crows. These crows had a habit of making noise at night. Then, on the fourth night, they woke me up again, but it was different. The sounds were different. There was a sense of urgency in their cause. I thought back to what my grandpa told me about the crows and predators in the woods. I thought they were squawking at me but suddenly I realized they might be alerting me to something else out there. I grabbed my flashlight, and my knife, and unzipped the tent. I was greeted by a pair of red eyes from up in the trees directly across from me. I could almost see the outline of the creature but it didn't look right, it was too big. Birds weren't that big. The crows were cawing like crazy. I shined the light towards the creature and I don't even know how to explain it without sounding crazy. What I saw was a bird the size of a man. It had a dark colored body and wings that were either black or brown I couldn't tell. Its eyes were red and large, that much I know for certain. The red brightness from the eyes seemed supernatural. Very weird. It appeared to have the proportions of a man, like it was half man half bird. The wings were huge and looked like those of a dragon. Yeah, I know that sounds crazy. I began to yell at it. At the same time, the crows continued harassing it. Together with the crows we drove the thing off and let me tell you when it took flight the whole forest shook. The thing was huge. I got out of there right at first light. It wasn't exactly the getaway I needed but it was somehow comforting to have been helped by the crows. I don't know what the thing wanted me to do but it must have been out there every night the crows weren't squawking at me. All those times they were telling me that there was a predator out there. Sometimes I think that the spirit of my grandpa was there as well, using the crows to warn me about the winged creature. I live in Canada in the province of Ontario in the city of Mississauga. The incident took place mid-December 2011 around 2.30 am and it was shaping up to be a very green Christmas as there wasn't snow on the ground at that time. My brother, a close friend, and I were on my balcony as I lived on the mid-upper floor of an apartment building. As we're standing there I see this dark black silhouette moving on top of the willow tree which is on the building property. As I see this silhouette fluttering on the top crown canopy of the willow I grab my brother's and friend's attention asking them if they can make out what I'm seeing. I first thought it was a big black tarp being animated by the wind flow. Once all three of us locked into what we were seeing, the wings, a neck, and the structure of the bird became very apparent. This thing seemed very restless as it kept pacing around the top canopy of the willow. During this time cell phones had poor night support cameras as I'm sure many of you might remember. Trying to take videos at night with an iPhone 3G's, Blackberry Bold, LG, and early Androids, especially if zoomed in, you were left with horrible grainy rubbish. We tried to capture it on camera from my balcony which yielded the previously mentioned results. All three of us ran down to the ground floor. The mere presence of this animal keeps your soul frozen. It's like you can't fathom something like this being thrown to you visually. It was that moment that led me to discover what a natural high is in this world. My brother and our friend made it about six feet away from the door that leads out from the building. These guys weren't mentally prepared for something like this as they both tripped over each other while keeping their eyes glued to it. 
This animal was quite frightening especially when you have to come to terms with the reality you now share with it, knowing it's living and breathing as you are. I chose to proceed closer to the tree until I got about 5 feet from it. I couldn't approach any closer as it shrieked a sound so intimidating and loud it sounded like an eagle on steroids but much deeper and sharper in terms of its pitch. I distinctly remember it going into a crouched position with its tail up and its head charging downwards with its wings halfway opened and curled upwards. This bird is all black with some red feathering near the face. I never felt that specific feeling of fear before. I ran back toward my brother and friend the bird continued to get more restless and aggressive. It literally flapped its wings and hopped to the next building which is about 4 stories high while the willow is about 7 stories and the distance between both places is less than 15 feet. It paced around there agitated then flew off again and disappeared. The wingspan was definitely 20 feet easily and it was about 8 to 10 feet tall. I was lucky enough to share it with two others. We told a few of our other friends and surprisingly they believed us. I became really obsessed with finding answers, I even thought about calling the avian people who oversee the birds and wildlife at the zoo but didn't want them to think we were crazy or lying. I have wondered since that night if this was an actual thunderbird. Whatever it was I'll never forget the experience. Seeing things as I wake up. I wanted to share this although I'm not sure if this is a paranormal experience, but it's something that's never happened to me in my 27 years of life and I would love to hear thoughts or even similar stories. So to preface, me and my boyfriend live in a house where two previous owners have unfortunately passed away in. The second being his dad, we moved in after his passing to keep the house and the family. I've had small stuff happen from time to time in the two years we've lived here, like the first two months we lived here it was freezing all the time in the house and I usually run warm and don't get too cold easily. I thought I saw my lampshade move on its own. A light I swear I turned off is on again later, about six months ago I remember waking up in the middle of the night to turn over and face my boyfriend. I wrap my arm around him and open my eyes and I see what looks exactly like his father standing over my boyfriend's side of the bed. I couldn't see features but as if a man was truly above our bed with his father's hair and his father's height and build. It took everything in me not to scream and I'm surprised I didn't wake my boyfriend up with how bad I jolted and gasped. My eyes adjusted and realized I was looking at a poster we have on our wall of some big dragon animal. I shook it off, but truly never knew if what I saw was real, and it never happened again. But last week I was facing the other way and woke up to what I thought was a scary little girl who looked like a doll with button eyes, but in a heartbeat shifted back into my dresser. That one woke my boyfriend up since I screamed and jumped over to him. I want to understand why this is happening so again I'd love thoughts. Thank you. I live in southern Wales UK. Now admittedly, we aren't known for our cryptids, more known for ghosts, which I don't believe in, I'm a 30 man and live in a remote area. In the past, I've hunted and eaten rabbits. However, I no longer do this as I can't hurt animals anymore. The largest, native, animal we have is the red deer. For many years, there have been news articles of large cats in our area, 
possibly puma or panther, that had grown too large for their owners. I live in an area close to Tonmer, Wales, and there is a creature sighted frequently called the Beast of Tonmer. A police officer who was a close friend of my family told of an encounter with said beast. However, the creature I encountered that day, when I was 11 years old, was neither a large cat nor a red deer. I had been playing with my cousins. As children who lived in the valley, exploring the trees, forests, rivers, and valleys was the norm. My cousin, who lived barely two miles from my house, had asked me to go for a walk and explore. As our parents, related in some distant ways, sat, spoke, and ate. My cousin was a lot thinner and more agile than me. While exploring the forests, barely a mile from his home, I had lost sight of him rather quickly. I'm not sure what made me turn to my right. I heard no sound or caught no glimpse in the corner of my eye, but I turned and glanced. There in the tree line, maybe 20 feet from me, was a creature I could only explain as a bipedal dog. Werewolf isn't the word, this was, sure as day, a dog. It was leaning against a tree using one paw to steady itself. As I looked at it, the creature pushed off from the tree and stood in a way that was terrifying and threatening at the same time, a stance I knew immediately as aggressive, though I couldn't say why. It was run away or die, even at 11 years old I knew that. I ran with tears streaming, all the way back to my cousin's home. When my younger cousins returned, they scolded me for my imagination getting the better of me. I know what I saw that day. I'm 31 now and I'll remember the sheer helplessness I felt in that creature's presence for the rest of my life. The world is a scary place, never underestimated. A young woman named Irina B. was living in a countryside cottage and was visiting a secluded beach on the banks of the Dnieper River. She frequented the area often and knew it well. Her favorite area was an isolated small inlet covered with sandy beaches and bushes, the area had numerous gaping holes or crevices all around, some of them quite large, and possibly artificially made by locals. On this day she was lying by the beach sunning herself, and dozing off when she suddenly awoke with the feeling that someone staring at her. She opened her eyes and was terrified to see a huge bipedal lizard-like being about 2 meters in height and covered with greenish scales standing very close to her. Terrified she wasn't able to scream and waited for the worst to happen. But suddenly she heard a voice inside her head, don't be afraid, my rations do not include albumin, protein, I am not going to eat you. The witness was not sure if the mysterious voice spoke in Russian but she distinctly understood everything that was said, the voice seemed to have correctly anticipated her apprehension. How is this possible? Was her only thought, and the voice answered her immediately, nothing unusual, simple telepathy. She sat on her towel looking at the huge lizard-like being looming over her. The voice inside her head once again reacted to her thoughts and said, you are afraid of my appearance. That can be corrected. Then in a blink of an eye she saw the most beautiful young man she had ever seen in her life. How did you do that? She asked in amazement, now feeling more curious than afraid, in a moment she received the answer, easily. You see what you want to see. I simply compel you to see what you want. 
They both began communicating by using telepathically. The lizard being told an amazing story, apparently he was a criminal on his planet and other species on his planet had wanted to punish him, but he had succeeded in escaping and had been wandering all over the galaxy for a long time, hiding from bounty hunters that were chasing him. For some time now one of these holes at the beach had become his shelter. But he was now tiring of hiding and wanted to be found and punished. He had evidently been observing her every time she had come to beach for a while. She reminded him of his home planet where the creatures also liked the sun and the water. He just wanted to chat with her since he had been an outcast from his planet for so long. At the end of the conversation the lizard man told Arena that he would erase her memory, or her brain would not sustain such huge volumes of new information and would explode. He promised that it wouldn't be painful. Too tired to clean your floors after playtime? Forgot to vacuum before your friends bring their little ones over? Let Eufy X10 Pro Omni help. Powerful 8000 PA suction removes debris and MopMaster dual mop pads scrub away stubborn stains with ease. Save time and keep your floors cleaner. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Suddenly everything around her was encased in a bluish light, and horrified she watched the body of the lizard being dissolved into nothingness. And next she lost consciousness. She was briefly reported missing and a search was organized to find her, her parents and neighbors found her the next day on the beach. She was found lying on the sand bleeding from her nose and one ear. The doctors at the hospital were puzzled thinking that she might have had a brain hemorrhage. She was considered to be alive only by a miracle. The witness insists that she did not invent the story even though she is aware that it sounds like the ravings of a lunatic. My encounter was with what I believe to have been a young female, but not adolescent, Sasquatch. I wasn't close enough for fine details, but I had the overall sense that it was female. On August 16, 2021, I was fishing at the group camping area Lake, western side of Route 18, in Raccoon Creek State Park, Beaver County. Looking at the lake on the map, you can clearly see that one side has a grassy area near the dam or spillway, and the other side has the dam breastwork and forested shoreline. I was standing along the shore in the grassy area fishing towards the area in front of the spillway lip. I had a fairly good view of the creek as it ran away from the dam. It was mostly sunny and warm with a mild breeze with gusts up to 10-ish miles per hour. I was enjoying the fishing and just being outdoors. There are several trails in the immediate area, but I hadn't seen another human for at least a half hour. I saw a dark brown flash off to my left. I thought I was about to see my first western Pennsylvania black bear, but I did not. What I did see was a large bipedal being covered in medium dark brown hair mid-stride crossing the creek downstream about 50 yards from me. It was frozen in place and staring right at me with bright golden yellow eyes. It slowly stood straight up and turned to face me. The Sasquatch was between 7 and 8 feet tall and built like a muscular basketball player. The really crazy part was that it camouflaged itself like the predator alien from the movies. 
I could still see it because its bright glowing gold-colored eyes were locked onto mine. Then, I heard, in my mind, a calm, peaceful voice say, you did not see. Ten seconds later, it repeated the phrase. Ten more seconds, and I heard the phrase a third time. After about ten more seconds, it took a large step to the side and disappeared into the underbrush along the creek. At that point, my mouth finally uttered the words, you know I saw you. From beginning to end the encounter lasted about 45 seconds. I stood statue still for at least 5 minutes trying to figure out what I should do. I was totally calm and didn't feel any fear. In fact, I was surprised that I wasn't afraid, so I decided to keep fishing. In July 2022, at around 8.30 pm, I was taking the trash to the dumpster. Near the dumpster is a small grassy yard with a park bench beneath two 35 to 40 foot tall trees. When I was about 50 feet away from the dumpster, something moved in the grassy area, like it wanted me to notice it. When I looked up, I saw a very large bipedal being walking behind one of the trees, but IT didn't come out the other side. There was still plenty enough daylight left that I would have clearly seen it as it passed behind the tree. Unlike the calm Raccoon Creek encounter, this time, all of my nerves were on edge, and the hair on the back of my neck stood up when the Sasquatch didn't reappear. My mind went blank because I do not recall putting the trash in the dumpster, just that I was back inside my apartment home and I didn't have the trash bag with me. The next day, I went back to the tree with my cell phone camera at the ready and a tape measure. I was certain I would find footprints. Sadly, I did not see a single thing. I did, though, measure the lowest branches to get an idea of how tall the Sasquatch was. The lowest hanging branches were still 8 feet off the ground and were at shoulder height of the Sasquatch. Unlike my previous encounter, this Sasquatch was very muscular. I'm fairly certain that it was watching me on another trash run. It was during the 2022-2023 winter season. I took the trash out around 7 pm, quite dark this time of year, and it was standing on a large branch in a giant sycamore tree about 30 feet beyond the small yard by the dumpster. I couldn't see it, but I could feel something telling me to look up into that particular tree. I could feel pressure in my brain like something was drawing my attention to it. I told the tree, I can't run from you, so I hope you have a good night. Spinal cord injury from breaking my neck back in the 1900s. Upon saying that, the pressure in my brain went away. Anyway, there you have it. I did my best to give as much detail as I could remember. saw my neighbor's eyes for the first time. I, 27 female, have interacted for the last year and half with my neighbor and her husband but mostly her. I met the wife first as I used to take my son outside to play and she would always come outside to have a small conversation. I did stop interactions with them both as they started asking for too many favors that I no longer wanted to do. Well today after not seeing or hearing from either of them in like 3 weeks she asked me for toilet paper and a ride to the bank which I refused as my car is currently not working and was going to decline either way. I did offer some toilet paper and as I handed it to her I looked her straight in the eyes and her pupils were slit. Now I've made eye contact with her in the past but never noticed this until today. 
This also isn't my first encounter with someone with slit pupils. Back in high school when I was a junior and this was about 11 years ago. I went up to my gym teacher to let him know I wouldn't be in class the next day as I would be attending a funeral. He was wearing sunglasses and he took them off as I was telling him and lo and behold he had slit pupils. What's even weirder when I look back, I noticed all the gym teachers would wear sunglasses indoors. So yeah second time in an 11 year span I've seen two people with these types of pupils and I know I wasn't seeing things. Anyone else have a similar story? Last summer 2023, I quit my job as a professor, we rented out our home and used that income to move into the woods of Southern Oregon. My husband has a good job and I freelance. One of the ways I contribute to the household is by working as a camp host three days a week in the RV park we live in, in exchange for free rent and utilities. I usually just make reservations, but it means I get to spend some time outside talking to others. There have been a few spooky events happen that I wanted to share. First of all, the mysterious flute playing. Our park is in the middle of nowhere the woods. A small hill towers over us on one side, covered with impenetrable trees, and a river is on the other. At least three times a week we hear what sounds like a flute or recorder playing for an hour or so at a time. Sometimes, it comes from the deep woods, sometimes from the river. I brought it up to a resident who has been here since 2004. She strongly advised me to ignore it and not mention it. Next, a scraping sound at night. About once a week I hear a scraping sound dragging along the ground through the park, towards the deep woods. My husband has heard it, but no one else. Interestingly, the park ring alerts me that someone is standing in front of the office when I hear this sound, but the camera doesn't pick anyone up. Because I hate the ring going off when cars drive by, I have it set to where someone needs to be standing on the office porch to generate an alert. Next, a late night caller. We regularly get calls after dark asking us for a space for the night at the last minute. I take their credit card over the phone and use a map to direct them to a space without leaving my trailer. The park owner explained that she didn't want me to help any late arrivals after dark. In fact, she makes it a strict rule that we're not allowed to answer the phone at all between midnight and 6 a.m. I was told that camp hosts need to be careful about who they invite into the campground. Then other random things occur. I'm in charge of selecting long-term residents if we have any open spaces. I review criteria such as applicants' jobs, size, and age of their rig, etc. While children are welcome to visit the park for short stays, no one with kids is allowed to move in on a monthly or yearly basis. The owner hasn't ever given me a real reason for this. The park was built by a woodcarver. There are massive and strange-looking totems, sculptures, carved doors, etc., all over the property. This all being said, our park is a slice of heaven. I love taking my dogs to swim in the river, wild mushroom gathering, and listening to the sound of the rain with just a thin roof between us. Also, I feel very safe here. I'm becoming more open to the idea that the woods can just be weird in some ways I don't always get. I wonder if there is something unexplained going on here or if it's just our imagination? 
About two or three years ago, I was with some friends in my car outside one of my friends' houses. It was around 9 p.m. in winter time, so relatively dark out but clear weather. There were five of us in the car, myself and a friend in the passenger seat, as well as three friends sitting in the middle row. It's an SUV. We were talking about some random topic, when all of a sudden I felt an intense feeling go down my spine, like we were being watched. I turned to my friend in the passenger seat and he looked up at me at the same time like he had just seen a ghost. I asked him if he felt that too, and he said yes. None of my other friends in the back felt anything. We felt really strange, but ignored it and kept talking. A few minutes later, the feeling came back stronger than before, and once again my friend and I looked at each other at the same time. He looked right past me out the driver's side window, which my back was to, and told me not to turn around. None of my other friends saw anything, but he said there was something out there, and I felt some sort of presence behind me. We took turns describing to each other what we sensed it looked like, and we were for sure both seeing or sensing the same thing. It was pure white and humanoid, but the details of what we sensed are fuzzy to me. Clearer descriptions later in the post. After a minute or so, it went away, and we were totally spooked. This is where it gets weirder. My friend and I both felt the presence making circles around the car, and we began to both see green glowing circles moving quickly around it. It's hard to explain, but we couldn't really see them, it was more knowing they were there. They began to move faster and we were freaking the hell out. Then all of a sudden they disappeared. Once again, we both saw or felt these, but nobody in the back did. Then, passenger seat friend and I were leaning back to talk to the middle row, when all of a sudden on the sidewalk behind the car there was a flash of white light and a creature sprinting down towards us. It was pure white, bipedal, somewhat humanoid, and very tall and lanky. I'm going to guess it was probably 7 feet tall. It had a horse-shaped head, long black thin hair, black eyes, and claws. My friend and I in the front screamed simultaneously, started the car, and got the hell out of there. Once we were far, far away, we once again took turns describing to each other what we saw, and we were both on point with each other's descriptions. I took everyone home, then as I was driving home, I still felt the presence behind me. I couldn't tell if it was in the car or not, but whenever I got to a stop sign or light, I felt it catching up, so I sped the rest of the way back. Once I got home, it was gone. Both my friend and I could sense that whatever it was wasn't there to kill us or anything, just to make its presence known. Nothing like it has happened before or since. The only relevant connecting factor between the passenger seat friend and I, that those in the back did not share, is that we were both Christian, at the time. Any ideas as to what we could have experienced? I can get in touch with the passenger seat friend if needed for extra info. Thanks everyone. About four years ago, I was with a friend driving late at night. We wanted to go stargazing so we always went to this one spot where there were huge acred ranches on a dirt road, the nearest houses were quite far away from the road. We stop the car and get out for a moment. Something doesn't feel quite right, and I tell my friend this. He doesn't notice anything, 
but agrees to leave. As he's turning the car around to go the direction we came from, I see this creature run across the road from one bush to another. It freaked me out because it was huge and flesh-colored, almost like a man crouch running somehow, but it seemed too lanky and weird to be a man. Certainly way too big to be any kind of animal I know of. I only saw it for a second. I asked my friend if he saw that? But he had his head turned and we were already driving back at that point. I've thought about it ever since. I had a strange experience when I was about to fall asleep. I usually meditate before going to bed because it's the only time when my house is quiet. I astral project a lot so I'm used to having weird experiences but nothing of this nature. Just before I was fading into sleep my body feels unusually heavy, I felt a cobweb sensation over my body. All I remember is that I'm suddenly in a completely pitch black room alone and across from me is a beige brown alien. There wasn't any breeze, odors or sounds in the room. It had the typical grey alien features such as big almond eyes, large head, 4-5 feet tall. When I looked in its eyes I felt like it was looking into my soul. It was like our minds became one and it could read my brain waves. I could hear its voice and it could hear mine but we didn't speak out loud. We communicated telepathically, its voice was gender neutral and soft. I wasn't afraid, shocked or confused which looking back I think is unusual. We were just talking casually but the frustrating this I don't remember anything about the conversation itself. All I remember it said was it doesn't matter because you won't remember this conversation. I've been trying to figure it out for months with no avail. Is there anyone that has recommendations or advice like therapists who do reverse hypnosis or something? I'm based in the UK but I'm willing to travel internationally to get some answers. I've had sleep paralysis before and false awakening and it definitely was not that. My second encounter was when I was astral projecting so I'm not sure if it was just my mind. I was traveling across Scotland looking at ancient castles. I created a teleportation device like you see in Star Trek to beam me from one location to the next. I was having a lot of fun and it was very peaceful but when I opened my device to change location there was an alien starting back at me. I screamed and dropped the device in shock, it was similar to the first alien that I saw but it was a bit different. Its skin was an off-green color and its eyes were so cold and detached, there was no emotion. I was terrified and I kept on saying I don't consent to anything until I woke up. I haven't had an experience since. I was absolutely strapped for cash. I mean, what more can I say? I had just gotten kicked out of my mother's house, granted I was 25 with no job. I was desperate for cash. I didn't want to be that guy working minimum wage jobs for the rest of his life. I didn't want to make enough to barely support myself. What was I to do? In hindsight, I probably should have just started there and worked my way up. Like, you know, a normal person? Well, I decided I would do some freelancing. It paid pretty good and I could pick my own jobs. I felt pretty confident that I could make enough to start getting an actual education other than a high school diploma. What better place to look, than on Craigslist? Right? No. Wrong. I did it anyways though. 
One night while scrolling through the jobs section of Craigslist, I stumbled upon an ad for help tending a farm. It provided living quarters, free meals, and the best part, money. The ad was written by a man who said he had inherited a farm, but he was getting too old to tend to the animals and crops as efficiently as he once used to. The pay was extremely good, and I had a place to stay basically rent-free. After about two hours of deliberation, I decided to go ahead and send him an email. I explained I only needed this temporarily, as I was saving money for school. I told him I could be a reliable worker, but only for six months. I didn't really expect an answer back, as he probably wanted something longer or more permanent. It only took about 15 minutes before I received a response. I sent the email at 2 AM. I admit I was a little off put by the speedy reply, especially since it was the middle of the night. I figured he'd be sleeping. Anyways, the email he sent was pretty short and to the point. He explained any help was good enough and said he'd be ready for my arrival the following day. He left the address and his phone number. The next morning I packed everything I wanted to take, told my mother I was leaving for a job and I'd stay in contact, and headed out to the farm. When I arrived, he was nothing like I had imagined. He was tall, and fairly overweight. He had a beard that wasn't quite full, but still enough to be called a beard. I guess. His eyes were dark really dark. I could barely make out his pupils. Upon approaching him with my bags, he reached out to me. I dropped my bags and shook his hand. It felt forced. It wasn't a very friendly handshake. It was firm, almost gripping. He let go, and I felt my arm fall to my side. He asked me to hurry in, so I did. He quickly showed my to my room, and asked if I could start right away. Flustered, I dropped my belongings in my room and threw my phone and keys on the bed. I quickly changed my pants into jeans, and put on some old shoes. I walked out to the main hall. He stood there, almost mannequin-like. When we locked eyes, he started telling me my tasks. I was to tend to the field three times a day. He said he had plowed over the land to start anew. He was planting corn, and a lot of it. He claimed he was going to sell and distribute the corn to local grocery stores. I asked about the animals, and he said there were none. Before I could ask anything further, he cut me off and threw me a shovel. He asked me to fill in holes throughout the farm before he could till the land. I took the shovel and hurried out of the door. Staring at him was uncomfortable. I was tired, I had barely slept the night before. Hell, I had sent the email the night before. This all felt like a whirlwind, but all I thought about was the money. I knew in my gut this wasn't right, but I really, really needed this. The farm was huge. At the end of the field, you couldn't even see the house anymore. I know because I had to walk to the whole way through it to fill in holes. Holes I never found by the way, until the edge of the farm. It was surrounded in thick forest. I knew it was a rural area but I didn't realize the farm was basically a one-way-in, one-way-out kind of deal. The forest was dense, really dense. You'd get lost in a matter of seconds if you weren't paying attention. When I reached the very end of the farm, I noticed only one hole, and about 14 other already filled in holes. Why would he send me out here, over a mile away, 
to fill in one hole. I felt uneasy about the whole thing. As I started to fill in the hole, which was about 10 feet deep, I couldn't stop glancing over at the already filled and disturbed ground. After I filled in about two feet worth of dirt, my curiosity got the best of me. I decided to dig into one of the already filed holes. These were not small holes. They were wide and about 12 feet in length. They were big enough to fit a deceased cow. Hell, maybe even two. I had already figured that's what the case was, considering there weren't any animals. I'm glad I went with my gut. It didn't take much digging to reach the first, well, weird object. It was a wallet. I picked it up and opened it, but it was completely empty. I tossed it to the side and kept digging. That's when I saw a hint of red fabric. I couldn't tell right away what it was. It could have been an animal wrapped in a blanket. It's safe to say I was heading into denial. It was only about four feet down when I discovered the body. Her body was in bad shape, but she wasn't decomposing. All of the trauma she went through was clear on her skin. I knelt down and felt her body. She was cold. I sat there for a couple minutes, just staring at her. Once I realized that her time of death had to be within the last 48 hours, I ran to the nearest tree and vomited. I didn't even bother filling in the hole I was supposed to, but I reburied the girl. Her body didn't deserve to be exposed like that. I threw the wallet into an entrance of the words near the graves. I figured the police would find it, even if you were to try and hide the bodies better. After that, I ran. I felt like an Olympic athlete. It was starting to get dark and I had to make it back before then, or I'd be wandering around this field for hours. The last thing I wanted, was to be hunted down like an animal in the pitch black. I knew that's what he was going to do, he knew filling the hole would have taken until dark. Once I reached the house, I finally stopped to catch my breath. I knew I had to remain composed, or he would know. I regulated my breathing and walked in. He was sitting at the dining table to the left of the house. I couldn't tell what he was doing, but once he heard me open the front door, his head swung around so fast I thought he'd snap his neck. He looked at me like a deer in the headlights. It was obvious he hadn't expected me back so soon. You're done? I could tell he was trying everything in his power to remain calm. I got sick, I had to come back. I'll go back out to finish it. I have to use the bathroom. I tried to sound as nonchalant as I could, but I knew he could tell I was lying. After looking at me up and down, he said, okay then, get back to it. I want it done by tonight. I shook my head and hurried to my room. I took the clothes I had taken off when I arrived and shoved them into my suitcase. I was so happy I hadn't unpacked. I grabbed my phone, but my keys were gone. Frantic, I started looking for them as quietly as possible. He took them. I knew it. My original plan was to run in, grab my things, and book it the hell out of there. Which is pretty hard to do with no keys. I sat on the bed for a moment. My phone had no signal and I felt a sense of dread wash over me. I started going through my pictures. If I was going to die, I wanted to see my friends and family one more time. Even if was just over a phone screen, it felt like enough. That's when I stumbled upon my 23rd birthday party, when my mother had gifted me my car as a present. 
I stood proudly by my car, with a set of keys in each hand. I had two sets of keys. I don't know why it didn't dawn on me earlier. I never used them, but I always carried them in case I locked myself out of my car. I unzipped my suitcase and pulled everything out of it. At the very bottom, was my second set of keys. They must have been the first thing I threw in while packing. It was a mindless habit at that point, and in that moment I couldn't have been more proud of myself. I decided to say screw the clothes and grabbed my phone and the keys. I peeked out of the bedroom, and walked to the bathroom. It wasn't hard to act ill because I was already nauseated from sheer terror and anxiety. I tried to make over-exaggerated gagging sounds, but I eventually threw up. It wasn't my intention, but it made it more realistic. I rinsed out my mouth and stuck my phone and keys into the side of my pants. I made sure they weren't obvious and headed back out the main area. Still sitting at the dining table, I told him I was ready to finish the work. He nodded, and I walked out. I started walking toward the farm again, because when I looked behind me, he was watching me through the window. I walked slow, and once he wasn't watching anymore, I fled to my car. He heard my frantic running and bolted outside. By then I was already in my car and pulling out. He started to sprint full speed at my car, and I floored it. I heard two gunshots ring out, and I felt the slight impact as one of bullets shot through the passenger seat. I sped until I felt safe. It had taken me four hours to get there and about two to get home. I immediately went to my mother's and told her everything. Turns out there were 52 bodies discovered on the farmland when I reported what had happened to the authorities. They conducted a thorough search of the whole farm. Many missing persons cases that went cold throughout the years were coming to light. The only thing they didn't find, was him. I look every few months to see if they finally have a lead, but they never do. The name he had given me was fake, and the phone number was that of a burner phone. I didn't have any pictures of him. I described him to a sketch artist, and that was about it. Although, I saw online that there's a farm on the west coast. Pays well, living expenses taken care of, and free meals. It's run by some old man who says the work is just too much to handle by himself. It seems too good to be true. The similarities are eerie. I know you might need the money, but I wouldn't go if I were you. Ex-girlfriend got scammed on Craigslist selling her iPhone, some kid gave her $400 in fake cash, then took her phone and ran. We argue over it, X drops fake cash in my car door panel, break up with her a few weeks later. Fast forward one year, I get pulled over for my tire touching the double yellow while passing a vehicle stopped on the shoulder. Sheriff thinks it's odd I'm wearing sandals in November, asks me to exit vehicle and asks to search it, I agree. Cops find cash, detain me and tow car for $240, they take me to station without giving me a reason. I'm questioned for 4 hours while handcuffed to a bench, told my story is ridiculous and an outright lie, they continue to formulate stories they find plausible, trying to get me to admit guilt. Our 4 of interrogation, they decide to check police reports and are able to corroborate my story since the same person ripped off more than 20 people in the same time period using bills with the same serial numbers. Cops, 
Upset they got the wrong guy drive me home, no apology. Oh, by the way, you'll have to pick up your car tomorrow for $240, have a nice life. And that's the story of how I completely lost all respect for the county sheriff's office because of incompetence and Craigslist scammers. A few days ago, I started receiving tons of emails for signing up to various things, online colleges, real estate, porn, Hershey's, etc. I was initially like okay, someone is angry and bored. Then I started getting spam calls and text messages for more random things. This started to concern me because I only use my number for emergencies and appointments. It's a little Nokia flip phone. I have a smartphone but I just use it with Wi-Fi. Anyway, I changed my number, it took about 30 seconds, no big deal. The next day somebody knocked on my door and asked for Galen Harris. Why is this concerning, you ask? That's the name of my grandfather, a man who sexually abused me every day for three years when I was nine years old, a man currently missing for over a year. So, taken aback and suddenly very anxious, I asked why he would ask for that name. There was a Craigslist ad for a free Xbox with my address and it said to ask for Galen Harris. I explained to the man what he had just done, he apologized and left. My concern is that this unknown childish person had my email, phone number, and address. Most of my friends don't even have my address, maybe 5 people total. I have agoraphobia and most of my social life happens in video games. I stay pretty detached from the world. I am worried this person is just getting started and I have had enough trauma in my life. The police opened a case so that there is a record of the encounter but without a name to pin this on, they can't really do anything. I'm not sure what to do. All I have to go on is an IP address.